Good morning. morning. Welcome to Marine Creek. Uh, uh, I'm excited that you're here. I'm excited about today. Today is, uh, we get to celebrate something that is honestly my favorite thing to do as a church. We're celebrating baptism. And uh, it it is amazing to me that that God lets us be a part of his plan of redemption. And we get to see life change. We are going to be in Matthew 26. Today we're celebrating life change. And life change can be very exciting. The, the baptisms that we do represent a newness of life. Um, it represents that, that old self in us uh, that we are putting behind us, that, that Christ died for. Um, that gets buried, and then we're raised to new life in Christ. Um, that's the miracle that Jesus shared with Nicodemus uh, on how we are reborn, how we inherit, and how we gain eternal life. And so life change can be very exciting, but I also know, and, and let's face reality, life change can also be uh, very stressful. It can be very heavy. It can be very hard. And tomorrow, our kids are starting back to school. And that can be a very traumatic experience for some kids. Uh, some of our kids started last Monday. Some started Wednesday. But the majority of schools start tomorrow. Uh, so at the end of this, this teaching, we're going to bring all the kids in. We're going to just pack the room out even more. We're going to bring all the kids in, and we're going to pray over our kids, pray for their school year, and pray for uh, them to just start with the best in mind and start with the focus on, on giving God the glory. And uh, I understand through raising two daughters, and I have one daughter in college and one started high school, and I'm like, oh. as much as that life change is happy for them, it's traumatic for me. Um, but I also know that we go through things in life that cause stress, that cause tension, that cause anguish, that cause suffering. And uh, the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at Jesus' journey to the cross. And we, two weeks ago, we talked about the betrayal that Jesus suffered, uh, having someone that was with him, yet with no relationship with him, betraying him into the hands of the, the religious leaders. And uh, then someone close to him, a friend, betraying him. And the suffering and the, the, really the pain that goes along with that type of, uh, of betrayal. Last week, we, we looked at the Passover meal and the Last Supper and the, just the beauty of that. I thought last week we were like Costco. We were handing out the samples of everything. Um, went to Costco this week and was really disappointed they didn't have the samples. That's the only reason I go to Costco, just for the samples. And they didn't have them. So I was just eating produce until they kicked me out. Um, now, what we went to Costco for was we bought some new chairs. We we at, We kind of pushed things back and added some more seats in the back center section. We've got this. I'm trying to figure out how to get a balcony in here. And uh, we'll get two old guys to sit up there and make fun of me and mock me the whole service. Um, Those positions have already been filled. I mentioned that in the first service. And I think there's a line. I'll I'll be starting interviews next week. Um, And then I can't wait to grow into the old man that can sit and heckle too. Um, If you've met my grandfather, there's a joke in my family with that. Uh, in service one day, you're sitting in the back row, halfway through the teaching, I'm in, man, people are, people are probably getting saved, and people's lives are being changed, and my grandfather goes, what's he going on about? So, I love it. So, he will have a special place in the balcony when, uh, when, when we, if we ever get one. Um, but we can get so stressed out, and one thing I love about coming in here is, this is a safe place. This is a place of sanctuary and a place of rest. It's where we can come together as a family and kind of kind of be recharged and, and spend some time together. And, and honestly, the teaching, I get so much out of it, but I also love being able to talk in the coffee bar and uh, able to hug and, and just 
help each other and walk through life together because I know life can get heavy and life change can be stressful. And Jesus understands this stress. The, one thing, the reason that I can so submit my life to God is because I know he's gone through everything. In Hebrews, we're told that we don't have this high priest that hasn't faced everything. As a matter of fact, it says we have this high priest who has gone before us and faced every kind of trial and has overcome it. And so when I go through junk in life, and, and we all do, we've all felt the pressure and the strain and the stress of life. When I go through that, I, I love being able to sit with somebody that isn't just trying to fix me. You know what I mean? You ever have those friends where you go through something so trying and they don't sit and try to fix you. They just sit and say, I'm here. I'll help you however I can. I know this hurts. I can't imagine how much it is really hurting, but I'm here. And, and I love that. The thing that I love about Jesus is that he has not only gone through everything I will ever face, but he's overcome it. See, if I'm going to submit myself uh, and, and my mentor's have gone through things before and can say, here's how I made it through it. With Jesus, he'll come in and he'll get in that situation. He'll say, I know it's hard. I know it's tough, but let's walk out of this together. And and that's how I can so submit my life to Christ. Um, Right after the Last Supper, Jesus took his disciples up to a garden. And and let me read to you verse 36. It's Matthew 26, verse 36. If you don't have a Bible, we've got some for you. And uh, we will continue to order them. So don't, don't feel like uh, I can't take this Bible. If you don't have a Bible, take it. It's yours. And we, we have a box of them. We'll order more. And if we run out of those, we'll keep ordering more. Um, but Matthew 26, verse 36. Uh, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane and said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. Um, Gethsemane is an olive grove. It's where he took his disciples right after the Last Supper. And he went out to pray. Um, Gethsemane, is a, uh, it was an olive grove, and uh, it's where they grew the olives. And the Gethsemane actually means olive press. Uh, the way they would make olive oil is they would pick the olives, and they would put them in a press, and the, the pressure would squeeze the oil out and make olive oil. That's how we get Rachel Ray's EVOO um, that you can add a dash of to anything. Um, but what I love about the significance of this is when we go through stress in life, you know when you start to feel that pressure, um, whether it, it, the life change, whether you've created the change, you've done something to kind of trigger the change, or when something just happens to you, and you start to feel that pressure and that weight. I, I love that, that God gives us this example of Jesus going into this garden, and he's, he's, he's carrying the weight, and he starts to be pressed, and God is using this to press him so that what comes out is holiness. Um, When we're pressed, what's inside comes out. Um, It's not always the holiest of things. Uh, Like when you're in traffic and, um, you know, there's the brain surgeon coming up the shoulder um, and he knows the lane ends at the same time you do. And even when he's on the rumble strips, you get selected the lucky recipient of the cutoff. Um, And that, that presses me a little bit, I must say. And when, when we get pressed in that way, and whether you gesture, like you get the number one spot in traffic, um, whether you're screaming at the windshield, and you know, you're so screaming that the spit is hitting the inside of the windshield, you're trying to turn on the windshield wipers, but you realize that's, that's your spit, and you're just, it's just like, oh, you know, that, that pressure, and it all just goes, comes out. Well, they didn't put that in you. 
The guy who cuts you off, the guy who cuts me off, doesn't put that in me. What he's done is drawn it out. And so when we get pressed, what's inside is going to come out. It's what some country folks say, what's in the well comes up in the bucket. And so, uh, never mind. <laughs> but when we get pressed, what, what our desire is for holiness to be a result that comes out. It, it's, it's when we face life challenges, when we face heavy stress, when we face sorrow, is that when, that, that pressure, holiness should come out. And let me just challenge you this morning because Jesus has this garden that he goes and he prays before the, the toughest time of his time on earth, the toughest walk that he had on planet earth. He had a place that he could go where, yes, he was pressed, but he had a place to get with God. If you don't have a place, you need to find that place. And you need to find that place where you can get alone with God and really just bear it all. You know, and, and I will say that's not your car. Um, on your way to work isn't a place where you can just lock in and bear it all with God. I, un- I understand driving to work and listening to, to teaching or listening to the radio and having your quiet time. But there needs to be a place that, when, that you can go to alone with God, that, that you can respond to God, that you can humble yourself before God, that you can get in that moment and just bear it all. I think the pictures that we've seen, the artist rendering of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, is not truth. I mean, you know you've seen it where Jesus is leaning on the rock and his face is tilted upwards like at Olin Mills, you know, it's like... And the, the, the halo's over him, the angels are over him, and the light, the moonlight is just perfectly hitting his face. You know, it's not like Jesus walked in the garden... You know, it gets down like, I'm going to pray now. I think that's way off base. <laughs> Jesus is feeling pressure here. He needs a place where he can get just raw and honest with his father. I, and, and I see Jesus just laying on the ground, just in complete humility of his father. I mean, it, face to the dirt, feeling the pressure, and saying, Father, we need to talk. And, and I'm just amazed at the depth of Jesus' sorrow. Let's read it here in verse 36, 37 and 38. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus takes three disciples on with him. They all go to the garden. He goes on further, brings three disciples on with him. And then he says, stay here and you pray, I've got to go get alone with God. That There are some times that we just have to get that alone time with God. I love uh, having people sit with me when I'm, when I'm feeling pressure, when I'm, when I'm going through something. I, I want somebody there with me that can help me in it. But sometimes, you know, God just says, you and I just got to lock in on this, buddy. I, I mean, and Jesus is feeling this weight and this pressure of everything that is coming. I mean, think about this. Jesus is fully God and fully man. And he was present when Adam and Eve first sinned. And so he understands how sin separates us from God. He understands the, the, the pain that, that our sin brings on ourself. And he'd seen this from the beginning of time. And the pressure that he's feeling is Jesus is saying, I am going to take on all of the sin for the world. In in 2 Corinthians 5, it says that God made him who knew no sin to be sin 
on our behalf so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Okay, you think of a holy God taking on all of the sin and the pressure that he, he, he sees the effects. I, I, I understand that I, I get into these weird sin cycles and, and we all have these pet sins and we can see the effects sometimes, but God sees the absolute effect of my sin. And Jesus knows this is coming, that he's taken this on. And, and he says, I'm sorrowed, I'm troubled. The pressure, the mental anguish is like unto death. I don't know if you've ever felt that kind of sorrow or that kind of suffering. I, I, I have hurt. I have been in situations where I felt the stress of, I felt what I would call the weight of the world on my shoulders, but I have no idea really. And Jesus understands this weight, this pressure. He was overwhelmed. In Luke chapter 22, Luke describes this experience that his sweat was like drops of blood. I mean, I don't know if you've been to that point of anguish. I mean, I, I, it, I picture Jesus just on his face, just pressing in there with his Father. And when we go through stress, when we go through that anguish and sorrow, that should press us into God. We, we all know hurt. You know, we have a saying at the creek called, me too. And, you know, it's like, are you struggling with something? You know, me too. We, we're in this together. Uh, if you felt oppression, if you have felt depression, if you have felt that weight and that stress and that mental anguish just pushing you down, you know what? Me too. This last month, I, I, I can't even, I don't know how to describe it. I think some of it may be the weather. I don't know if God's stretching me and challenging me for a new season for the church, but I, I have been in this mental fog and, and this emotional haze. It's been spiritually difficult and physically difficult for me the last month. It has been hard. I have not been the man that God created me to be. I've been a jerk to people, and I've been a jerk to my family, and, and I, under, I understand that weight. I understand that feeling of that pressure. But I have to allow that to draw me into God. That I have to get along with God and say, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me for not pressing into you. Forgive me for being pressed and what comes out is not giving you any honor, any glory. We go through things where Honestly, we get angry with God. I don't know if you've ever been angry with God. If you have, I can say me too. I've had those moments where um, it's not soft, sweet prayers with fancy words. Um, I have been driving down the road beating my steering wheel, yelling at God. And what I had to say is, God, I am really angry at you right now. I do not like what you're doing. I don't agree with what you're doing. And I want out of it. But I had to be honest and say, but God, I'm bringing my anger to you and I'm not going to take it out on you. You ever gotten in a fight or a disagreement with someone and you take your anger out on that person and you can never find resolution in that relationship because the only two people that can bring that together is you and the person you've taken your anger out on? 
It's like that with God. We get angry at God and we take our anger out on God and we walk away from Him. We say, God, I want nothing to do with you. I don't like the way you handled this. I don't like what you're doing in my life. Leave me alone. And we walk away. We never find resolution in that. We never find peace in that. It's okay to be angry at God. But don't take your anger out on God. I don't know if Jesus was feeling all the emotions Jesus was feeling, but as, he, as he's feeling this sorrow and the pressure and the weight that is going on, he was pressing into God. And then the intensity of his prayer. Let's, let's read some of his prayer. In John chapter 17, we're not going to go there now, but that's in your further study for this week, is a beautiful, John writes a beautiful prayer. Uh, he's recording what Jesus is praying. He prays for himself, he prays for his disciples, and he prays for us. I, I highly recommend you read that. But he says this in verse 39. Going a little farther, Jesus fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. You see, Jesus is, is praying about this cup, this cup. Let me explain it. There's a cup that represents God's wrath. It was commonly referred to in the Old Testament. Jesus understands that this cup that he's taking is the experience of Calvary. It's the experience of the cross. He, he is drinking of the cup that will redeem mankind. And he knows that he has to give his life for this to happen. There was a common practice in the Roman army at the time where if the leader, commander, or general uh, needed to make an example and needed to get the troops back in line, he would take them up to a cliff and he would decide he's going to push off every third person, every tenth person, or whoever he wanted. Push them off the cliff. That's how he regained control. Another common way that he would bring his troops into line is he would line them up and he would say, all of you are sentenced to death. And he would hand the first soldier a cup filled with uh, a hemlock poison. And they would have to pass that cup down the line and drink their poison before their execution. The soldier who received the cup had a choice to make. He could drink that cup to its dregs, which means he drinks of all the poison. And through his sacrifice, he spares his people. He spares the men standing next to him. If he just drinks his portion, the cup passes on and someone else has to drink. They then have the choice. I can drink it all and spare their life or I can take my portion and pass it down. See, Jesus knew that this cup was in front of him and he knew that my responsibility, my role, God's will for my life, God's will for the redemption of mankind is that I drink this entire cup. And he's saying, God, if there's any other way I'm, I'm, I'm open to suggestions, but not what I want, God. I want what you want. You see, I think when I get in stressful times, when I'm feeling that pressure, what I'm praying for is the relief. God, get me out of this. God, whatever I got to learn, let me learn it so I can move on with my life. I don't like this place. Very rarely do I get in those moments and get in there and just get gut-wrenchingly honest with God and say, God, I want what you want for my life. If that means to walk this out, I want to walk this out the way you have designed me to do it. 
I want to walk this in a way that gives you glory, that brings honor to you. I'm willing to walk it out. I want your will more than I want my own. And that's what Jesus is praying. Then he comes back and finds a disciple sleeping. He says, could you men not keep watch with me for one hour, he asked. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. Might have been the four glasses of wine they had at the Passover meal. I'm just saying. So he left them and went away once more and prayed a third time, saying the same thing. Uh, have you ever fallen asleep when you're praying? It's okay. Me too. I mean, we're, we're just being honest up in here. I, I've been praying and went, I just fell asleep. You know, and I think of this passage. You know, as Jesus standing there and going, come on! Look at this. These are his disciples that he handpicked to change the world. And they fell asleep during prayer. I fall asleep during prayer. Here's the beautiful thing about God's plan and the way God works and desires to partner with us. He knows we're going to fall asleep. He chooses to work through us to change the world. God believes in you. God has given you an ability and has given you passions and he's given you talents and has given you desires that he would love to help shape and focus so he can use you to change the world. And he knows we're going to fall asleep sometimes. I mean, I, I, I'm just, I, I'm amazed that God would use somebody like me. I mean, I'm a messed up individual. But yet he says, I love you, buddy. We can fix this. I can work with this. And he begins to work through me. And Jesus is still praying. He's saying the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He's saying, I'm ready to work through you, buddy. I'm ready to go. I'm locked and loaded. You know, if you'll wake up, we're going we're gonna to do this thing. You know, and Jesus goes back and he prays. Have you ever prayed for relief and it didn't come? Have you ever been in that, that kind of that hard moment of your soul? Where it, 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 there's just that pain inside. And you're praying for relief and it never comes. I mean, Jesus was praying for relief and it didn't come. I'm convinced of this truth that whatever pain God does not stop, he will redeem. And he doesn't just do it to stop my pain. You see, he didn't bring relief to Jesus. He brought redemption through Jesus. That redemption through the cross allows us to have a relationship with our Savior. I go through pain and I'm saying, God, I'm tapping out here. Please bring relief. It's hot. It's not just, we're not just going through a drought in our, in our land. God, I'm dry spiritually. I, I need to hear from you. I'm hurting. I'm, I'm maybe upset with you, God. Or things just aren't going the way I was hoping they would, and I don't like it. And that relief doesn't come. Let me tell you something, that any pain God will not relieve, he will redeem. He's going to use us so that he can redeem his people so they can see God more clearly through how we live our life. 
you and I will not be challenged with a task to walk the road Jesus walked. That's why he said, you stay here and I go on. And I'm convinced of this truth that it's very personal with God. Think about this. Any pain that you ever inflicted on someone else, you had to inflict on your own kids. It really brings it into perspective, doesn't it? Because Jesus endured the pain, and God had to allow that to happen. And God loves us. God loves us more than we could ever imagine. We, we can't even bring understanding to how much God loves us. We try, and we come up short. It's very personal with God. And He selects pain very carefully for the purpose of redemption and growing us. Let's look at what happens after this. I'm amazed at Jesus. Then he returned to the disciples. This is verse 45. And said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. I'm amazed at the strength that Jesus displays in this moment. I'm convinced that it's only through that prayer time, it's only through that getting honest with God that he's able to get up and say, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to walk the life that you've put before me. I'm ready to walk this path, knowing that this path is going to lead to the cross, knowing that it's going to lead to a lot more physical pain, suffering, mental anguish, and crucifixion, death, but I know what's on the other side. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. We're not seeing the joy right now. But he understands that this is, the, this is what I've got to walk through to get my people, to get on the other side, to bring redemption. And, and I understand. I, I talk with a lot of you. I know life is hard. I know there's pressure. I know there's anxiety. I know jobs are up in the air. I know finances are all over the place. But God is saying, I will lead you through this. I know the pain. I know the suffering. I know loss. I know hurt. And I've got you through this. Trust me. And Jesus is able to get up and have such strength in his character. Yes, he's God, but he's also fully man. And I think a natural tendency is to shy away from death. I don't know if I'm abnormal in that, but I I tend to see death as an enemy. I'm going to fight it to my last breath. I mean, until somebody's over me going, clear, you know. Clear. I'll be inside going, hit me again. You know? I'm going to fight death. And I think that's natural. I think you're the same way. And, and Jesus being a man, I think it was a natural tendency to go, woo, ah, he. I know I said that, but uh, if there's any other way. Understand this. At any point in time, Jesus didn't even have to say it. He could think it and thousands of angels are going to come and rescue him. At any point, and the strength that he gets up from this time in the garden gives him the humility to walk it out. God has created each of us uniquely and individually and has put before us a life that that he has designed specifically for you. And he longs for you to walk that out. And he gives you the strength. He will give you the grace and he will give you humility 
to walk it out. We have to make the choice that we're going to do it. I am amazed at, at this. When I go through these hard times, and you know, this last month, I've, I've just kind of held on to, to this, this scripture. It's 2 Corinthians 12. It's Paul who was given a thorn in his flesh. And he says that three times I prayed that this would be removed. And God would not remove it. God didn't relieve the pain. But God can redeem the pain. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. In the King James Version, it says, in your weakness, my strength is made perfect. And you know what? There's times that I just have to say, God, remove this from me. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I don't want to fight this anymore. I'm tired of this pressure. And God, please remove it. And there are times in the quietness of my soul when I'm in that quiet place that God just says, you know what, Matt? My grace is sufficient for you. I know you're weak, so let my power be made whole, be made well, be made perfect, be made complete in you so that I can get up from that time with God and I can walk the road and walk the life that he's created me to live and I can give him glory as we do it. And so my, my hope for us this morning is in looking at this prayer and this, this experience Jesus goes through is that we don't ever look at prayer as a last resort, but it's our first response. It becomes our first priority. You know what, that, that we're, we're on our face and we're praying even when things are good and say, God, teach me, help me to manage the good times. And when the stress and the pain and the pressure comes, God, help me as you redeem this through me. And so my question is, what, what are you praying for? I mean, we're, we're taught in the Lord's Prayer to pray for God's will. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so I want you to make a, a commitment to find that place where you can lock in with God and you can pray, God, I want your will for my life. And I know that's the big question that, that I get as a pastor. I don't magically get the answer from that. You know, it's not like God whispers and goes, okay, for Steve, the will for his life that I have for him, communicate this, Matt. It doesn't happen that way. Let me tell you how to find the will for your life, how to find God's will for your life. You are locked in with him, that you are growing in your relationship with him. You're spending time in his word. You're spending time in prayer. And you are living your life to glorify him. Whatever you do. If what you are doing is not giving glory to God, chances are you're out of that will. And so some evaluation needs to happen. So then the question becomes, God, in my situation, how do I give you glory? It's not, God, change my situation. I mean, we, we, we pray. God, if you'll give me a different job, I can glorify you so much more. God, if you'll give me more money, oh, I can glorify you so much more. God says, no, 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 that's the heart. Glorify me with what you got. And look at that situation. Say, God, regardless of what's going on or what I have, I'm glorifying you. I'm going to walk to give you honor and glory to your name. Start praying for that and watch the strength and the resolve 
Now, it's not going to mean you're not going to go through pressure. <laughs> that ain't going to happen. I mean, we're not going to be able to come in here on Sundays and go, I have no problems. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. You know, there are times we may come in here just beat down. But I'll tell you what, this is a family. And yes, families have that healthy amount of dysfunction in them, some more than others. We are not a perfect family. But I'll tell you what, and I tell this with couples that I sit with or people that I talk with, unless you choose otherwise, you will not go through this alone. And that's how we come around each other. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you that you humbled yourself. Jesus, we thank you for humbling. You're humbling yourself to the cross. Thank you for giving us an example on how to manage this deep, sorrowful stress. Because you understood that we will face these times. And so right now, we humble ourselves before you and we say we will glorify you regardless of what's going on. God, there are some things we need relief from and we're trusting you for that relief. But God, we're trusting you more to redeem whether that's us or others because we understand that you don't do anything without purpose that you love us too much to play with our emotions and to toy with us. That God, you love us. You are our perfect Father. And so we humble ourselves before you. And God, we ask for your strength. We ask for your will to be done in our life. We ask for you to give us the resolve to glorify you in everything that we do, whether difficult or easy. Lord, we trust you. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the empty grave. We thank you that, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you were resurrected so that we can have new life so that we can stop living a mundane existence and live life that is truly life. And so, Father, wherever we are, some of us are tired, some of us are hurt, some of us are battling oppression or depression. God, whatever that is, some of us are feeling the best we've ever felt in our life, and we don't want to bring them down. And, Father, we understand that we all experience and feel things differently, but we together collectively humble ourselves before you and say we trust you and we want your will for our life and we will glorify you with everything we have. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.